go ahead and turn our Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Begin right away in 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Bible says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to his glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these ye might have be partakers of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Taking a look at this, uh, one of the things that first jumped out to me as I was reading it was the word precious. You know, it's mentioned twice here, the precious faith, and then also the precious promises. And I thought about that, but, well, you know, precious, you know, let's start by looking at the dictionary, because I always like dictionaries, and a lot of times we have these ideas of words, and, well, you know, I kind of know what it means. You kind of get the sense of it, usually context will complete it, and if I looked it up, and it's, you know, what you would imagine, of high value, high esteem, high regard. Uh, boy, you know, here we have this precious faith. And I thought about precious thought, you know, we have some other things that are precious. For example, this ring on my hand is made of gold. Now, gold is considered a precious metal. Metals that would cost more, highly valued, high, highly priced, highly esteemed. And we have a precious, that is a precious metal. But here, Peter is talking to people who have obtained precious faith. Those who have obtained this precious faith, it was precious, it was of great price. And it's kind of one of the questions as you kind of read and you're studying, you kind of have to ask yourself at that point, you know, how precious is the faith of Christ to me? How much am I willing to give that faith. Or why it's easy to say, oh, you know, I would give everything. It's much harder to live that way. To say, I know I've got my docket full of my A, B, C, my whole list of things to do. And I need to put that aside so for a while so that I can focus and I can take time in God's word, take time in prayer, take time in memorizing scripture. If someone were to look at your life, would they be able to tell that the faith of Jesus Christ is precious to you? The Bible tells us here that they had precious, having obtained like precious faith. The Bible tells us in Matthew verse, chapter 13, verse 45, Jesus said, Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking girly pearls. Continuing on there, he says in verse 46, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold 
all that he had and bought it. Yet he saw the pearl, that which was wonderful, and says, Goodlyful, it was a great price. It was precious. And he was willing to sacrifice everything that he had who could attain that one precious, that one pearl of great value. So this is what Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The question here is, would we be like this man who would be willing to go and sell all that we had so that we could obtain that light, precious faith, obtain the promises? So are we willing to sacrifice all that we have to obtain that which is precious, the precious faith, the precious promises? Going back to First Peter, they have obtained like precious faith. I thought about that word obtain. Immediately I thought of, of Paul, how he, he went, he was trying, not that he had already obtained faith, but he was striving and always pushing forward and always moving ahead, not, not as though he had already attained. He, was, he already had it, but he was striving, though, as if he had not. The Bible tells us there in Philippians 3.9, excuse me, but, this might put that verse. Let's go over to uh, see another person who was striving, that was Moses. And Moses, he forsook all the wealth and the glory and all the power that would have come to him had he stayed in Egypt, had he stayed in the court of Pharaoh. He would have certainly had great riches. He would have had great power, great authority. But the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, 24, it says, By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the greater riches than the treasure of Egypt, for every respect unto the recompense of the Lord. Moses was a man who said, I know I can have it all. I know I can have everything that this world has to offer, but I'm going to lay that aside so I can have that precious faith, so I can be rewarded by Jesus Christ, by the Lord God Almighty. He goes rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. Of course, Peter, as we remember from 1 Peter, he was writing to a people that were suffering affliction, that were there having difficulty as he wrote in 1 Peter. Now we're in 2 Peter and he says, hey, I know it's hard. I know you're suffering. I know you're going to be difficulty, but we have precious faith. We have something that is highly valued, that highly esteemed, that is worth a great deal. See, Moses was willing to cast aside everything, all that this world would have to offer, so that he could obtain the precious faith and the precious promises given to us through Jesus Christ. It says, go back in 1 
Peter, Second Peter, chapter one. Find Peter, a servant and apostle of God, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. How are we going to obtain this precious faith? How are we going to to get that which is of great value and of great price? It's through the righteousness of God. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We obtain the precious faith, the righteousness of God. Like it says here, it is through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Philippians 3, 9 says, Not being found in him, having my own righteousness of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. We sang earlier tonight, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. That's the, it's almost a, uh, let's say almost, it is taken from first John, who talks about the faith. It says, who is he that has overcome the world, but he that has believed in the name of the Son of God. We put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we have the faith that has overcome the world. It is a precious faith. It is through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter here addresses those who are saved, those who have obtained the precious faith, those who have obtained it through the promises of God, through the righteousness of God. And he greets them. But he says, here it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord and of, our, of Jesus our Lord. He's here and he's greeting them. He wants them to have grace and peace to be multiplied, to be not just added, but multiplied in abundant. He wants to have abundant grace, abundant peace through the knowledge of God. Later on, he's going to end his letter with 2 Peter 2, 2, excuse, 2 Peter 3, 18, it says, But grow in grace, even to the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. That's how he's going to end this letter that he's writing. His desire is that they would grow in grace, that they would have an abundant and multiplied grace and multiplied peace, but it's going to come through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's why he tells them there, he says, Continue to grow in your knowledge. Here he says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God, now our, of Jesus our Lord. Later on, he's going to tell them that they need to, he's going to say, now Add to your faith virtue, and to, your, to virtue knowledge. It's going to take some time of knowing, and just knowing things, and learning things. In order to grow in this area, we have to be in the world. We have to be studying it and learning it. Come to church like you are tonight. I'm glad to hear hearing the word of God preached. It's going to help us to grow in our knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. Here we see he mentions grace and mentions growing in knowledge and he mentions peace. You know, but it tells us in Romans 5 1 it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God 
our Lord Jesus Christ. We can obtain the peace that can only come from God. The peace that passes all understanding. We can have peace in this world despite all the turmoil and all the, the, the sin that's going on. We can still have peace because we know the God of peace. According to that the peace will be multiplied. Jesus said, said, He that hath my commands and keepeth them, he that loveth me, he that loveth me shall be in my love, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself unto him. He was telling us that he's going to show himself. He is the God of peace. He is the God who wants us to have peace. Going back over to first Peter. Second Peter, I keep saying First Peter. First Peter, if you want. Second Peter, Second Peter, chapter three. It says, "According as His divine power has given us, has given unto us all things pertaining to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that has called us to great to glory and virtue." When I thought about this and I read this, I thought, "Boy, you know, He's given us." All things, not most things that are pertaining to, uh, to life and to godliness. He has given us all things. Boy, how can I live? How do I know what the Lord wants me to do? How do how should I live? How should I grow in my knowledge? How should I learn more about Him through His Word? He says here in verse three says, according as the, as His divine power has given us given unto us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that is called us. He gives us all things, all things that pertain to life. Jesus said, said in John 10.10, 10, The thief came, cometh not for, uh, for to steal and to kill and destroy, but I am come that ye might have life and that ye might have it more abundantly. His desire is that we have a more abundant life. He gives us all things pertaining to life. He does all things pertaining to godliness. The Bible tells us in Second, in First Timothy two two, it says when talking about praises and pray for kings and for all that be in authority that you may lead a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. We're going to have a peaceable life if we're going to live in a godly manner, in an honest manner. We can have peace can have rest. The Bible tells us in First Timothy, uh, a couple of chapters later, in 4, in 4 it says, For bodily exercise profit little, but godliness profitable unto all things. How we're going to live, if we're going to live in a way that's godly, it's going to be profitable to all things. This here, having the promise of life that is that now is, and of that which is to come. It's going to be different for those who know Christ as a Savior, but turn around and live in an ungodly manner. Because when they die, they're going to go to heaven, and they're going to be changed, and they're going to be different, and they're going to have a lot of regrets over the way that they live. And I can tell you right now, when you come to that day, that you have to stand before Christ if you know Him as your Savior. If you're not living in a godly manner, you will have regrets. You'll be saying, I wish I had, instead of, I'm 
But if you live in a god in a godly manner, we'll be well I'm sure glad I did as opposed to I wish I had. Godliness is profitable unto all things for this life and for the life to come. He has given it according as his divine power hath he given it to us. He says once again it says here through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory called us to glory and to virtue. He calls us to glory and to virtue through the knowledge of him, through the knowledge of God. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter three, verse nineteen it says, And to know the love of God which passes on knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. We want to know God, we want to know him in his love, in his in everything that he gives us. Here it says says that we may know him which passes knowledge. It's not a knowledge that this world can give. It's not just an academic study. Sometimes knowledge is gained simply through experience. There are many people that may not know Christ, but they can know all about him and they can know the word of God and they can have him memorized, but if they don't know Christ, they don't really have the knowledge, but they don't know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Here it says that, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God, to know the love of Christ. Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 4, goes, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of a divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Here I just thought, what a contrast, what a separating thing here. It says, here, is, he's going to, through his divine nature, says that you might be partakers of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. It is going to take a the divine nature of Christ dwelling in us to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Why can't people who are who don't know Christ, why can't they say no to sin? Why can't they why can't they resist it? Because they don't have the divine nature working in them. They don't have the work of the Holy Spirit. They haven't been quickened by the Holy Spirit where that they can say no, I don't want to do that sinful thing. I don't want to turn to sin because I want to please God. I want to do what's right. They don't have that because they don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. There is a divine nature that comes through the Holy Spirit. He gives us unto us exceeding great and precious promises. The Bible tells us in 1 John 2, verse 25, it says, and this is the promise which he hath promised unto us, even eternal life. The eternal life. What a great promise that we can live eternally with him in heaven. That I go away and I prepare a place for you. And when I come again, I shall receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. This is desirable that for us to be with him 
and be with him in glory, be with him in heaven. What a great and exceeding promise that God has given to us. He has given us the promise that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not some great work that I have to do to obtain heaven, to obtain this great and exceeding promise from the calling upon him and confessing to him turning from my sin to him. We have that great and precious promise. He goes on to tell us in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. No eye can see what I have prepared. No ear has heard, nor can you even imagine the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. That is His promise. Unbelievable things. The things they say, that could never happen. That would, that will never happen. Those are the things that God has promised. The unbelievable. The things that we can't even think of, can't even fathom, and yet God's promise unto us were exceedingly great, precious promises. That by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The corruption that is in the world through lust. I thought about that. I said, "Boy, oh, you know, how often do we see that?" How often do you see people who, who don't have so much and yet they still say, I need more, I want more, I gotta have more. The lust that is in the world. Usually in the, in the early morning hours here when I'm at work, I'll try to catch a little bit of the news. There's only a little bit about all I can stand. And there were some tragic things going, that were being talked about in the news on stuff. Well, how has the how's the lust of man absolutely brought ruin? It's absolutely brought ruin to people and to their lives. And it's, to me, it's, it's I you can see it all over. They're talking about you know, Puerto Rico, all the destruction that's happening up to the rights and protests over the, the governor. Yeah, it's the same point. You're the lust of man, the desire of this man has, has caused all these problems here and hurt all these people. The lust, the corruption that is in the world through lust. That boy, you know. I'm glad that where I'm going there's not going to be any thieves, there's not going to be any corruption, there's not going to be any lust. But what's going to come in? Steal. That which the Lord has given to us. No one's going to come and steal that precious faith and these precious promises. The Bible tells us that in John 10, just a couple of verses after after John 10, 10, where I mentioned that we are in the that we are in Jesus Christ's hands. In verse 28, it says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And my Father which gave it to me is greater than all. 
and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I am my Father alone. He gives unto us eternal life, and there is nobody by no can by any means take us out of God's hand, out of Jesus' hand. Says there's no one. You're not gonna be plucked out. You're not going to to no one's gonna steal the reward. No one's going to once I give you the promise, so I give them to eternal life. He's going to secure us. Nobody's going to take that eternal life from us. There's no corruption there. Not like, not like the way we see corruption here in this world. We see all kinds of lust and the hurt that it brings to others. The hurt that it brings to ourselves. The Bible says that when we talk about riches, that while some have pursued it, while they're pursuing after those, have left their faith, and the Bible says, has pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We're going to live for this fleeting world. The Bible says we're going to be pierced with many sorrows. We're going to leave the faith. We're not going to hold on to the precious faith the precious promises that God has given to us. So let's, we come now, we do ask, how are we doing? Holding on to that precious faith, that precious promises. Is it really precious to us? Do we live like it's precious? Are we willing to lay aside worldly gain, willing to lay aside pleasures and leisure time. And even for me, even lay aside rest so that we can really have these precious promises that are through knowledge, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Are we growing in our knowledge of Jesus Christ? Are we kind of at a plateau where Hey, you know, I, I've come this far, I'm doing okay, things are alright. Challenges. Don't plateau. Don't stop learning. Don't stop in your knowledge. But grow with knowledge. And make these precious promises precious. Highly value them. Highly esteem them. Hold on to them. Let other things go. I think this world is fleeting, but the word of God, only the word of God shall stand forever.